Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a video and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Today, I'm delighted to welcome a very, very accomplished marketer from the Gold Coast, Australia, Melissa Donnelly. Melissa, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi. Uh, Melissa is a brand marketing communication strategist, and she's a director of Affinity Communications. So Melissa, what would you say are three key milestones in your life or your career? Great question. Um, I, had to, I had to think about that. I like the fact you included life as well as career. So uh, to start with the career questions, I think the first major milestone was when I realized I'd come from a PR background. So I was your classic PR agency flack as mm-hmm. uh, all the members of the audience will know that term. Mm-hmm. And I realized that communication more broadly was more about connection than transaction. And that certainly the world of public relations, which I lived in, was becoming very transactional. Mm-hmm. So that realization brought me to quite a significant shift in the way I was seeing my career and the choices I then made about setting up businesses mm-hmm. and also roles I was taking uh, in-house or at agencies. So, so that was a, a a big right-hand turn uh, that I made to broaden out into um, communications, brand and marketing from a pure PR base. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second milestone was actually relocating. My now husband and I uh, left uh, our hometown of Brisbane mm-hmm. uh, many, many years ago and uh, moved ourselves up to Hong Kong uh, mm-hmm. where I had the opportunity to take up uh Asia-Pacific roles, um, much larger roles with much broader horizons um, and uh, and had the opportunity to work with some absolute rock stars. Um, quite literally, I did work for MTV for a long time, so quite literally mm-hmm. it's rock stars. Uh, but, yeah, it was a chance again to step out and step up so we, we could move out of a, an environment we knew very well into something quite new, um, mm-hmm. but that expanded my horizons and my horizons have never shrunk since. So we've gone on to live in many wonderful countries and work with very many wonderful people uh, before coming back to Australia. Um, and I think the third, third one, which is about uh, a life milestone, was realising uh, that my identity wasn't just a professional one. So having children, starting a family, I discovered this whole wonderful, rich world of family and friends mm-hmm. and that I could combine every part of my personality, I guess, into, into one rather than having, you know, work on one side, friends on the other. My family was the glue between them. Wonderful. How nice. So let's now talk about uh, you as a brand uh, marketing and a communications uh, strategist. Tell me about the kind of work you do. So Affinity Communications was set up uh, 12 years ago as uh, a builder of communication strategies for ambitious businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a really vibrant market, not just in Australia, but particularly in Australia, in what we call emerging corporates um, or mid-market businesses. So these are, are businesses that have come out of the small business um, mode and they're growing exponentially uh, they're vibrant, they're often family-owned, and I realised that a lot of the IP that we built in the enterprise around large global brand and communications programs, mm-hmm. we could take the systems and replicate them in small and mid-market companies really effectively and create change that was happening at pace 
and that you could see. In large enterprise, change takes, as you know, a long time, a long time. So we could really see impact in these businesses quite quickly. So that's what Affinity was established to do. Um, We operate in the business-to-business sector Mm -hmm. and we work in industries that are often uh, relatively unsophisticated still around brand comms and marketing. Um, Often they're what I call the post-industrial revolution uh, industries, so mining, um, financial and professional services. Sorry, guys, you're still still there. Mm-hmm. Um, and sectors like that. And then additionally, uh, I'm working very heavily in the not-for-profit sector um, with member-based organisations or community services organisations because, mm-hmm. again, a lot of them are a large and governance and strategy have become important parts of their operations. So we've expanded out of that traditional area, um, but uh, really it's around the, the type of business is more related to the, the structure of the organisation and they're typically built around uh, a very invested CEO, board and leadership team mm-hmm. uh, who are often founders um, or who have financial stakes in the business. So um, the growth of the business is very much linked to them. Fascinating. So you know, when I was reading about you, I was fascinated with your methodology, which is builds clarity, delivers systems and creates capability. Help me understand these and maybe if you have an example to share, that would be terrific. Yeah, absolutely. So, again, that methodology is really the core of what I've developed um, coming out of out of enterprise. Mm-hmm. So, um, the first step is is clarity. Um, and um, again, a lot of your listeners will be aware that in uh, in the sector of brand and communications, agencies will all the time get briefs for work. We need a new brand. We need this and that, and we'll rush rush in to help because that's what we do. And we actually don't understand enough about the business or the industry. Mm-hmm. So uh, what I ask my prospective clients to do, sometimes they get frustrated with this, is let's pause, let's gather what you know. Mm-hmm. So let's gather all the smart stuff you've already got in your business. Mm-hmm. Let's look at your brand. Let's audit your, your business from a communications perspective and a marketing perspective. And let's identify what you know. Let's talk to your customers. Let's talk to your staff. Let's gather insights. Let's look at what the problems are that they're experiencing, what solutions they want to buy, why they might buy from you. Mm -hmm. And then let's package that all up and paint a really clear picture of what the business looks like now, what its strategic plan is moving forward. And then we can look at where the gaps are and also look at where the opportunities are. So that's the clarity piece. It's really developing a common understanding in the business of where you're at and where you want to be. Fascinating. Yeah, yeah. So, And then the second stage of that is then building the systems Mm -hmm. to deliver on the objectives we set. So we'll translate the strat plan into a a comm strategy Mm -hmm. and that will be the overarching piece under which all of your communications, marketing, sales functions sit in a way so it's not it's not the boss of them but it's that structure that they all hang off um so again you know it's really about putting systems in place so that organizations can go into the market articulate what they stand for and why you should work for them why you should engage them why you should buy from them why you should do business with them so really it's that here's what i stand for this is why you should be talking to me. And that's what these systems do. Um, And the reason I call them systems is because in a really effective program, a lot of what we do is set you up, wash, rinse, repeat. So we implement, we evaluate, 
we reset, we go again. And you want to have that happening efficiently uh, and cost efficiently and resource efficiently. So that's where those systems come in. So that'll be your, your, uh, things like your social media systems, your brand operating system, um, your public relations system. So they're all ultimately systems. Um, and we look at uh, for each particular client how we integrate those together. Right. Uh, and then the third part, which is really important, is that in, in the sectors that I deal in and work with, uh, it's really not cost-effective or efficient for them to go and hire a senior mm. strategist and build big marketing departments. You know, it's just it's, it's rare and, again, it's an enterprise conversation. So for them, we look at how can we identify what capabilities you've got already in your mm. business what capabilities you want to own in your business and what specialist skills do you need outside of that that you can dial up and down to implement the strategy because one thing um, that we stand by and, and you'll probably have noted this looking at the website and things is, you know, one of my sayings, strategy without execution is pure fantasy. Mm-hmm. So we remain part of the program to pilot and test implementation and mm-hmm. then we'll remain in the program with the client. Sometimes ongoing. I've got clients I've worked with for seven, eight years wow. because we then direct the implementation and bring different capabilities and skill sets in and out. So it's really about delivery. So clarity, building the system that then mm-hmm. drives the delivery, and then project directing the delivery. Wonderful. So you know you have you must have worked with you know hundreds of brands. My question to you is that what goes into building a successful brand, in addition, of course, to clarity, system, that capability. <laughs> Yeah, look, ultimately, um, in a way, it's quite simple. A, a brand is a promise, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's a promise that you make. So when you look at, you know, my logo, it's making a promise to you at some level um, right. that hopefully you relate and connect to. Mm-hmm. So really everything that goes into a good brand should be informing the business in a way that, that they know how, what their stance is in the marketplace. So at the end of any any work we're doing around brand, I really love to feel confident that the CEO, the leadership team, the people answering the phone, the people doing the plumbing work, whatever it is, can all stand there and articulate in their own words what they stand for as a business mm-hmm. and why you should engage with them. Mm-hmm. And then the promise is that they will do what they say they're going to do they will deliver what they say they're going to deliver and they will behave by the values that they articulate and that are part of their brand so really it just comes down to that promise what is it and how do you maintain it Um, and the and the biggest thing and we talk about this at the crisis management level at Mm -hmm. issues response level at a daily customer service level is whatever decisions we're making what's the risk of us breaking our brand promise because if there's any risk of that, we've got a conversation that needs to be had. Okay. So, Very interesting. Yeah. And, and, you know, over the last 10 years, the entire communication platforms are now getting digitized. How are brands reacting to the digital world? Great, great question. Um, and I think, again, it's about going back to basic principles. So, so... What, when, you, when you're working with a brand, um, uh, you know, it's a, it's a living organism, right? It's, a, it's, a, it's okay. an organic creation. Mm-hmm. So uh, that then needs to connect 
at a very human level with a person. You know, people talk personas and target markets and everything, but at the end of the day, that brand is talking to and with a person. So regardless of the platform, that's what you've got to maintain. So I think the art for brands is in how do you retain the human connection but use these platforms to amplify it so that the person dealing with you or talking with you is feeling like you're talking with them but you in fact are able to multiply that conversation mm-hmm. infinitely so that's that's where i really see digital platforms as an opportunity but brands have to in my view um maintain or build a sense of connection um and i think last year demonstrated the tone deaf brands who don't have that and mm-hmm. don't have that embedded in their dna they suffered okay. they suffered time okay and you know uh, from your perspective as a as an external strategist or an advisor how have you seen expectations of brand owners or companies change from you especially with the you know onset of the digital economy or digital world yeah i am um... I think it's in the markets that I serve. So if you're looking again at the mid-markets and ambitious small businesses that are mm-hmm. looking to grow, the conversations that they have with me and this has actually increased over the last 6 to 8 months particularly mm-hmm. is how is their brand impacting their commercial operations. So if they're going into acquire another business what's going to be the brand conversation around that so how are you going to structure your brand that you can absorb these businesses without them breaking right. you and breaking right. your brand and breaking your brand promise mm-hmm. so what does day one look like if you've acquired a new company what how do people answer the phone mm-hmm. so it's it's those conversations they're very commercially oriented i think it's a sign of certainly the sectors i service and the growth that we're seeing there's an awful lot of consolidation there's a lot of acquisitions happening um and people are doing things like sharing they'll share a strategic plan with me that they're planning to then share with say a private equity firm or with an acquisition target because they really want to have a narrative around their business and that's their brand that's what's going to tell the story for their business and this is CEOs that deal in you know mining services or manufacturing or logistics they're using words like our brand story our narrative so there's an awareness of the value of it um and the connection between it and commercial outcomes that companies are looking for interesting so you know when i was uh, actively doing communications i'm talking of 30 years ago in large companies uh we i would go and talk to our brand strategy or a communication strategist and you know we'd work our press release and we'd talk about when it would be released bad news goes on a friday evening good news goes at on a monday morning etc oh yeah <laughs> in the world of social media where first your communication has to be 280 characters on twitter and everyone is shooting off their mouth if i may use that term over the time in most companies what does social media do to communications well this is where uh I am a fan of systems. Mm-hmm. So I think if you, you can only risk mitigate, right? You can't okay. control social media. I think anyone who says that's uh, kidding themselves and probably needs Valium in a week. Mm-hmm. So I think it's about what are the systems that are underpinning the usage? So what policies do we have the basics, the administration and governance around it mm-hmm. uh, internally? 
what's our communication with our staff around it? Because in, in a lot of instances, and particularly when we are doing issues and crisis management with clients, where there's been an issue with social, it's because fundamentally those staff members or staff member doesn't really understand the values of the business. Um, you know, if integrity is a value and you blurt out on Twitter at 5 o'clock Friday night after a few wines, something to do with a client, you're probably not understanding that integrity is a value of the business. Or if you do, you haven't embedded it. Hmm. So, again, what are the systems that are underpinning that? What are the circumstances that create that behaviour? What can you do to manage those? I think then at that point, yes, the companies have you know, your corporate response mechanisms and, and, you know, the basics that you would have to manage your social media. But because it's an individual platform and medium, Mm -hmm. you you can't manage all of it. So I think, again, that's where you've got to, you know, hope that, your systems are in place and they're being reinforced to staff particularly in a way that they go, you know what, I'm not going to send that at 5 o'clock Friday. I've got issues or concerns about clients. I'm going to take them up the line or talk to the comms manager at work or whatever because I know this is a public forum. I'm about to air my thoughts on. So so that's, um, yeah, probably my learnings um, in terms of working with social. Well said, well said. And so, Melissa, my next question is about the millennials and the Gen Zs. You know, they're the inheritors of the world that we are going to leave behind. And they're an amazing group of young people. Sure. You must be working with a lot of them, uh, you know, across your different clients. How are they, the millennials and the Gen Zs, changing branding and communication? I also have a couple myself. <laughs> so I live with them. I don't just work with them. Um, so it's really interesting, actually, because uh, in the businesses that I work with, a lot of their markets are actually uh, mature markets. You know, so we're running an ad campaign up in central Queensland this week, and it's targeting, you know, men 45 years and up. Mm. So we're targeting one market but often the people implementing the work are sitting in another demograph so again art of communication right that's where you have the systems in place the briefing systems um the insights so that you're not sitting there going my gut feel is we should do this because Mm -hmm. that's one learning i have from my kids and from you know working with uh these brilliant young people coming through our uh, yeah. our world is that they uh, critical thinking is really important sure. so they're going to ask why but yeah. but why so yeah. the rig is important you've got to do that insights work and have clarity at the start and then you put the evidence on the table and say this is why so i think there's a bit of that um and certainly and it's the reason i encourage companies to outsource certain elements of uh, our work comms mm-hmm. marketing and brand outsource things like social media is frankly we're too old we 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 cannot move at the pace that these guys are moving and we don't have that we're not you know i said it years ago i'm not a digital native i'm a digital migrant so these kids are beyond even digital natives right it's it's just part of their it's part of their neuro wiring so um so i'm i'm like bring the best in and work with them and pull the levers as you need them. Um, but trying to have a team working in house, staying up to speed with all of that, managed by an older person, I don't think is going to going to fly. And I don't think they enjoy it. They, 
I've got quite a few contractors in my network of specialists and they're employing beautiful, bright young people mm. doing amazing work and they're happy to be contractors. You know, they don't, they don't seem to feel like they need a permanent job and a career path and all those things. So in, for me, that presents a beautiful opportunity mm. to contract them in. Very nice. So, Melissa, I'm going to now move to the second part of our conversation, which are some questions for you personally. Mm-hmm. Let me start with asking you, uh, what are some of the core values you believe in? Yeah, this is always an interesting question because as, you know, a, a business owner, it's like how, in, how entrenched are they in my, in my business values? Um, but certainly one that, that cuts across both is... Mm-hmm. Um, I hate the word integrity in so many ways, but I guess authenticity about being true to my voice. So, so when I speak, I've thought about what I'm going to say. I've, I've endeavoured to understand the impact it's going to have and I'm true to my word. Mm. So if I say something's going to happen, I will do everything possible to make it happen, okay. which then ties into another value of mine, which is optimism. I'm relentlessly optimistic Wonderful. and I always hope to spread a little bit of that, like, sunshine every day but again you know if I'm true to my word we say we're going to get something done or I personally say I'm committing to this Mm -hmm. then I will be relentlessly optimistic about that happening so they're probably two of the most important ones for Mm -hmm. me Mm -hmm. okay and uh, my next question is that you know you've had such an amazing career lived all over the world from where you stand today as you look at your life gone past and as you look ahead, what does success mean to Melissa? You know, many years ago when I was very heavily professionally involved, so I didn't have kids or anything, Mm -hmm. and I was uh, travelling an awful lot. I I literally had a bag under my desk in Hong Kong and was spending, you know, every week in India, etc. And uh, my then boyfriend, now husband, said to me, just tell me one day what wall of fame I'm going to look at you on because you won't be around. You're not going to be around if you keep living like this and that was a real wake-up call for me because I saw success as an Armani suit wearing rushing around the world kind of thing Um, so for me now um, and you say where am I standing I'm standing in a beautiful office that Mm -hmm. I built when I built our new home a couple of years ago and I look at the water every day out the window of my office I'm looking at it right now Um, And I'm working with really interesting people. I have interesting conversations like this pretty much every day. Mm -hmm. I'm working with interesting people. I've got really courageous clients who are happy to make brave decisions. I have uh, people that supply services to my clients who are extraordinary. Um, And I've got, you know, Great family, great friends, all the things I'm sure everybody says. But, yeah, for me, um, if I could be standing here in 10 or 15 years' time doing, having these conversations, I'd be still a very happy girl. Terrific. And a follow-up question to success is that who or what inspires you? Yeah, I was thinking about this this morning. Someone did a post on LinkedIn and asked a question about women that inspire me because we have International Women's Day on Mm -hmm on Monday and I was thinking about that and I thought, well, my mom and my mother-in-law definitely do. No horizons ever have limited me with those two and they love their children and grandchildren to bits. Mm -hmm. So, And then I thought, oh, but then there's this person and, you know, I'm a huge Michelle Obama fan. I'm a huge Jacinda Ardern fan, the the New Zealand Prime Minister. Mm -hmm. So 
you know, I think it changes. I, 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 mm-hmm. I try to absorb influence from as many sources as I can from the trashiest novel. I'll get quotes out of those from some character that's interesting to, yeah. um, you know, people like Sudanshu Saranwala, who I know you've had on this show, mm-hmm. who's been a huge influence on me personally and professionally. Perfect. So, yeah, so there's probably sadly not one... Mm-hmm person and i'm sorry everyone i haven't mentioned but yeah it's it's a moving feast for me i'm, mm-hmm. I'm a bit of a vampire i take it from everywhere wonderful and my last question to you now and this is for the thousands of young people who will listen to you and watch you what would you your what would your advice be to a young individual starting off on his or her uh, corporate journey it's a great piece of advice that my high school principal used to say to us, mm-hmm. don't ever walk past an open door. So I have never walked past an open door. They have not all led to things I expected. Mm-hmm. Some of them have been very challenging, but mm-hmm. I cannot let an opportunity go past. So I go in, I poke my head in every open door and that has led me to some of the most amazing experiences and journeys so that would be my advice don't walk past the open door amazing melissa thank you so much it's been such a pleasure speaking to you you know your points your last point about don't walk past an open door is such a powerful statement you know i I loved your comment about you being a digital native uh, not being a digital (laughs) native but a digital migrant i think i can say i'm in the same category Uh, and i loved your simple definition of a brand a brand is a promise so uh, thank you very much for this incredible conversation. I really oh, appreciate it. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.